You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 4. Enjoy. We thank you for your presence. Boy, this is just so good. We wouldn't trade your presence for anything. We're so glad that you didn't come to establish a religion. You came to bring us into union with you, into a vital relationship with you. We open our hearts right now and we receive everything you have for us. And we know that we're going to be different, stronger, bolder, more courageous, more joyful as we leave the, walk out these doors today than we were when we came in. And we thank you for it. Thank you for transforming us this morning through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's the year of God's promises at Highway Church. We're building our lives on God's promises. And this is really a a shift in the way that we operate on a daily basis. Because sometimes after you go through something or someone hurts you or or someone does something to you they shouldn't have done or didn't do something to you they should have done, you start to make decisions based off of that. And you might carry that thing with you for 20 years. And it, 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 you're allowing it to, to motivate you to make certain decisions in your life. But we're not doing that anymore. We're not making decisions based on what we've been through, based on how people have treated us based on what's happened to us, we're making decisions in our lives based on what God has done for us through Christ. This is when life gets overflowingly rich, is when you get up in the morning and you let go of the things that have happened to you, you let go of what's behind you, and you fix your It's never too late to do that. So to help us build this life, this new kind of life, on the promises of God. We're in a series right now called Built Jesus Tough. A life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus tough. And you know, it's really simple to do. There's only two steps to it. You guys remember step number one, right? Make God the Father your all in all. That's step number one. You make a conscious decision to make knowing God the priority of your life. That's really simple. You make a conscious decision that your relationship with your heavenly Father is the motivating passion of your life. If you don't make that decision, nothing else really matters. So that's step one. And then step two, and there's only two steps, is you begin to build your life on his promises. And Sarah last week recited for us our memory scripture. I won't ask you to do it again. You did a good job. Uh, for, for making God the Father your all in all. But let's say that together in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Let's say it together. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Let's put the screen blank and do it again. 
blank screen, all right? And this is great. This is our focus, right? It's sim- this simplifies life big time. Woo, the weights just fall off when you make this your determined purpose, all right? Let's do it again. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Yes, Sarah got 20 bucks for saying that last week. Way to go. She got the prize. God is good. And so we've spent the first couple messages talking about step number one. Now we're in step number two. It's only two steps. Simple. We're talking about God's promises. And what's wonderful about God's promises is he's got you completely covered. His promises cover every area of your life. Would you put 1 Thessalonians 5.23 up there? Now, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. It reveals the heart of God towards you. And and I want you to make note of how many times the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, is in this Scripture here. But it begins by saying, and the very God of peace. Now, English, I think we got kind of a very watered-down understanding of that, but this was written in Greek, translated into English. Irene was the Greek, which is used as the, Jewish, the Greek equivalent of the Jewish shalom. It means wholeness, all right? May the very God of wholeness, all right, sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y is what H-O-L-Y really means, where it comes from. Do you know that? Holy. So the very God of wholeness sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole, W-H-O-L-E, that's three times, spirit, soul, and body. Three parts of you, right? Your spirit and soul and body Be preserved blameless. Now, the New American Standard says complete there. That word can also be translated complete. It can also be translated sound. What is it again? Wholeness. (laughs) Completely. Holy. Four times. One verse. He's talking about wholeness. All right? God of wholeness, sanctify you holy. Your whole person, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved whole, complete, and sound under the coming of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. So we're starting with the most important part of you, your spirit. We started with that last week. We're talking about your spirit. It is by far the most important part of you. If your spirit is not made whole, if your spirit is not renewed, you don't have a chance of experiencing real peace in this this life. So we started with your spirit, and we said the greatest need of your spirit by far is to be united with God. And that's true of every human being that's ever lived on planet Earth. It's not unique to a nation or or an ethnicity or a language. It's the need of every human being, every person, for our spirits to be united with God's spirit. But we said last week that there's a huge problem that gets in the way of that called sin. Sin is the greatest problem mankind has ever known. 
And to solve the greatest problem, you need the greatest promise. What is God's greatest promise? Jesus. Jesus solved the sin problem. Isn't that great? You might not know that, but he did. He absolutely solved it. He absolutely conquered it. He solved the sin problem. We looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 21, talking about Jesus, the greatest promise God ever made, which solves our spirit's greatest problem. It says this, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you, so that in Jesus you might become the righteousness of God. Wow. So through faith in Jesus, you go from, become, from being a sinner to becoming righteous. Isn't that amazing? This is a fact that's been hidden underneath volumes of religious doctrine. You're free from sin. Completely free from sin. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, sin no longer has a hold on you. you might, that might sound impossible to you, but it's true. Anyway, if you've put your faith in Jesus, sin no longer has a hold on you. We're going to see that today. Ezekiel chapter 36. This is like 2 Corinthians 5.21, but, but God is prophesying of what he'd do through Christ. In Ezekiel 36.25, the end of the verse, he says, I will cleanse you. Isn't that a good feeling to be clean? Have you ever been working outside? First lawn mowing yesterday. Woo! It was a good one. Yeah. You're working outside, and you're, you're digging in the dirt, you're pulling weeds, and then you come in and Get clean. Isn't that a great feeling? God says, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Thank you, Eden. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart. That's a spirit. That's your spirit. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your dirty, sin-contaminated, polluted, dead heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a heart that hears my voice, a heart that's sensitive to the leading of my spirit. And I will put my spirit in you. Oh, I love that. And that's what God has done through Jesus. That's what, what, what uh, Jesus talked about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Here was a guy who knew the Scriptures. He was an expert in them. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. In other words, unless your spirit's made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss out on the life that God has for you. So that's what being born again is. It's a, it's a term from John 3. Another way of translating as born from above. In other words, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and the moment I do that, God takes my sin, and he, it gets, throws that away because of his son, and he gives me his son's righteousness. And the Holy Spirit enters my spirit and makes my spirit brand new. So if you put your faith in Jesus, your spirit's been made brand new and united with God. 
Romans chapter 6. Do we have that one, Eden? Verse 4. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Did you know you're free from sin? I say that because, boy, you can listen to some, some uh, Christian radio stations and songs and ministers that will tell you that you're a sinner if you've received Christ. Now, we were sinners. All of us were born in sin. We've all missed it, right? But once you receive Christ, you're not a sinner anymore. We no longer identify with it. We identify with Christ, okay? We're making a shift today. Did you know this? We've been buried with Christ. Romans 6, 4. We've been buried with him through baptism into death. Why? So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too, just like Jesus, might walk in newness of life. Are you walking in newness of life? You can't if you're listening to condemning thoughts. Can't do it. They'll keep you down. But God wants you to walk in newness of life. Go to verse 6. Knowing this, you've got to know this. Our old self was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. I love that. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you die. (laughs) The old you dies. The new you is born. But you've got to know that, or, or it'll seem like nothing's changed. Unless you know this, knowing this, right? Hallelujah. He he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing, got to know it, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once, one time, for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, are you ready? In the same way. You're just like Jesus. Did you know that? You're just like Jesus in the same way Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's a promise right here to build your life on. Anytime temptation comes your way, open your mouth and say, I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's say it together. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus. Again, I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The knowledge of this truth can set anybody free from anything. Any addiction, any depressive cycle, any temptation. 
And the way to enter into this strength is by saying it with your mouth and believing it with your heart. Right in the midst of the temptation. Right in the midst of it, you open up your mouth and you take authority over. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Whatever it is. Hallelujah. That's us. Now, do you know Satan wants you to be very conscious of your sins? But the truth is, The sacrifices of Jesus has not only cleansed you of every sin you've ever committed in the past, but it's cleansed you of every sin you could ever commit in the future. If it hasn't, he'd have to come again. Right? Let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. So I'm not afraid now to live. I'm not afraid that if I make a mistake, I'm going to lose it. Right? I'm not afraid anymore because the blood of Christ is sufficient for my future. I'm clean permanently. That frees me to live. That frees me to stay confident in Him and not go back and forth and waver on His promises. For by one offering, who was that one offering? Jesus, yes. He was the one offering. God has perfected forever, this translation says, for all time, those who are sanctified. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God took your sin and made you righteous for the rest of eternity. For the rest of eternity, when you stand before God, after, after we've, we've been taken up and standing before us, you will be as righteous as He is righteous. Sometimes that kind of makes you want to, what? Because we don't hear this enough. He gave you His righteousness. That means you can stand before Him free from all fear and insecurity and condemnation. So your standing before him is a celebration of life with your father. Let's go back to verse 1 of the same chapter. Hebrews 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never impossible, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Can't do it. Obeying the law can't make you perfect. Trying to do everything right does not make you perfect. It can't happen. There's no power in that. The power is in the one sacrifice. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? They're talking about the the old covenant, right? They offered sacrifices for their sins continually. If that would have made them perfect, they would have stopped doing it, right? For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified 
would have had no more consciousness of sins. How conscious are you of sin? It's time to switch from being conscious of sin to conscious of righteousness. To switch from a sin consciousness to a righteousness consciousness. That will transform you for the rest of your life. They would be no, if, they, if there was a perfect sacrifice, then the worshipers would have no more consciousness of sins. Isn't that what it says? If there were a perfect sacrifice. So you see, by, by ministers teaching believers to be conscious of their sin, they don't realize what they're saying is Jesus was not the perfect sacrifice. You're not going to hear that from me. I'm here to tell you, you, you have no longer a need for any consciousness of sin. We're righteousness conscious people at Highway Church. Why? Because a perfect sacrifice has been made, and it's cleansed us forever. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. I've had that experience. Boy, you go to church, and every week you're reminded of your sins. And what does that do? Make you weaker? It feeds the fire, the, the, the fire of condemnation in your life? And boy, I grew up in a church, we had to do, there was rituals you had to do. You know, they gave them, they had names for them, and you had to do them over and over and over again. And every time you did them, you were reminded how, that you were a sinner. And it's good to know that we were all sinners. We need to know that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and without Him, we have no hope. But we can't stop there. We need to recognize the perfect sacrifice was made for our sins. And because of that, we're no longer sinners. We're now God's sons and daughters. God has no children that are sinners. He doesn't. He has none that are sinners. Every one of his sons and daughters is clean. Right? Not because we make no mistakes, but because the perfect sacrifice has made us clean. This will set you free. This will free you up of so many things. So Satan, our adversary, doesn't like what I'm telling you. Because this goes to the very core of our existence. To know as sure as you know your name that you're clean before God. That you're righteous. That you're free from sin for the rest of eternity. Now why does Satan want you to be conscious of your sin? I mean, why does he keep reminding us that we've fallen short and that we don't meet the standard? Why does he do that? To keep you from living by faith. To cripple your faith. You can't live by faith and be conscious of sin at the same time. can't do it. That's why faith knows what Jesus has done. When I put my faith in the perfect sacrifice, sin fades away because the light is much greater than the darkness. Look at Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. This is what people should be learning when they come to church. They've been made righteous in Christ. This is the gospel. Isn't that what you just read? This is the gospel. 
Don't assume that you're hearing the gospel because it's a Christian ministry or radio program. This is the gospel. A righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. From first to last, A to Z. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Well, what is faith anyway? I love uh, the Bible's definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. But I want you to know this. Faith is not wishing upon a star. That's not faith. It's not a starry-eyed dream of what might be someday. Faith is a response to what God has done for me. And Hebrews 11.1 says it this way. Now faith is being sure. of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. So faith is being sure and certain. I looked up the word sure. You want to hear the definition? Having no doubt. (laughs) You You can't be sure if you're looking at sin. When you're, when you're conscious of your failures, you can't be sure. So sure means having no doubt, but if you trace the word back to its origin, you want to know what it means? Free from care. Now faith is being free from care. <laughs> you want to know what certain means? Look that up too while I was in the dictionary. I thought might as well look that one up too. Established. Beyond doubt. Ah, that's where you want to build your house, beyond doubt. We're building our house this year beyond doubt. There's a beautiful, a beautiful piece of property beyond doubt where you want to pour your foundation. It's called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and we're building our house on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Satan wants to keep you from being sure. (laughs) He wants to keep you from being free from care. But God, on the other hand, wants you to be totally sure 24-7. 24-7, even if you make a mistake. I like how Jesus said, you know, if you're not sure, you can't live. You can't. You're not living until you're sure of what he's done for you. You can't live the abundant life he came to give you unless you're sure. It's time to be sure. It's time to live beyond doubt. Boy, there are doubts being crucified right now. Can you feel it? It's time to be sure in your life. It's time to be sure of who he is, sure of what he's done for you in Christ, and sure of who you are now in him. I like how Jesus said it. This I remember reading this first time. (laughs) Oh, man, this is great. In Mark 11, uh, 11, 22, this is in the Amplified. 
Jesus looks to his disciples and he says, have faith in God constantly. Constantly. That's not possible unless a perfect sacrifice has been made. I want you to be sure and certain and confident every single moment of your day and night. Constant, constant faith. Constant assurance. Constant certainty. Constant freedom is what God desires for you. And it's yours. All you have to do is stop listening to your adversary and start listening to your father. Constantly. I like this, John 16, 33. Jesus talking again. I've told you these things so that in me, it's not possible any other way. He's the perfect sacrifice. In the perfect sacrifice, you may have perfect wholeness. Same word again. Equivalent to shalom. Perfect wholeness and confidence. I've told you these things so you may have perfect wholeness and 24-7 confidence. In the world, you don't have any of these things. You've got tribulation, trials, distress, frustration, but we're in Him. The world's not our mother, right? God is our Father. We've been born of Him. In the world you have these things, tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted. Kevin talked about a, 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 a wall around us where there's weaknesses in it and places where the enemy can penetrate and how that's being made whole and, 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 and we're in a safe place now. That's what the sacrifice has done. That, that sacrifice of Jesus went to every weak area of our life and shored up the boundaries around us and made us safe in Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Why? For I've overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you. I've conquered it for you. Wow. Meditate on that every day this week and watch your confidence level rise. I've overcome the world for you. I've overcome every difficult situation for you. I've overcome every new diagnosis and every bad news report for you. I've deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it for you. Hallelujah. So through faith in Christ, we've been made right forever with God. And you need to know that. We talked about condemnation last week. Because if you're going to fulfill your destiny, condemnation's got to go. You need to stop allowing it any more airtime on the channel of your life. No advertisements allowed. It's a sponsor that's not allowed on your station. Right? So, would you put that diagram up there again? 
Now, this is where man can't go. Man doesn't understand this. Psychology doesn't understand it. This is deeper than, than, than just your, your mind. This is, kind of, this is all the way down to your spirit. All right? Condemnation is the root of so many issues and problems. And man tries to deal with the stuff up at the top, you know, like negative expectations, emotions, depression, doubt, fear, stress, but they don't know how to get way down deep. And boy, I was out yesterday trying to rip up some weeds, and you know, you're supposed to try and grab as low as you can in the ground and then twist and try and pull those roots. Sometimes they come up, sometimes they don't. And when they don't, you need a special tool, something that can cut through that soil like your hand can and get below the roots and pry that thing up. That's what the Word of God is. It's that special tool that cuts through it all and gets the root of the problem up and removes it from your life. So at the root of all this other stuff is really, often you'll find it's condemnation. Way down in in the subconscious level even. We know we're not right with God apart from Christ. We know something's wrong. Whether we go to church or not, we just inherently know there's, there's something we're missing until we're united with Him. And all kinds of negative thought patterns can develop in our lives, like perfectionism. That'll wear you out. I'm I'm not talking about a commitment to excellence and doing things with excellence. I'm talking about an unrealistic, impossible standard you impose on yourself and on others. Because way down underneath it all you know or you think you're not right with God. So you, you try and do everything you can perfectly, and you're never at peace, and you're, you're always finding fault with yourself and with others. It goes back to condemnation. When you know that Jesus has made you right, you've got peace, and you're no longer fault-finding. You're enjoying people's company. Another negative thought pattern that grows from the roots of condemnation, assumptions. You assume that you know what others are thinking about you. Or you assume you know what others' motives are. And someone can say something to you, very simple, like, "Um, so where were you last week? And inside you're going, well, how dare they? How dare they ask me such a question? Where was I last week? Who were they to question where I was? Right? All of a sudden, you're on the defense, and they just were making conversation. (laughs) They just want to know, how was your week? Where'd you go? What'd you do? And you're ready to slug them, right? Because there's no peace in here, right? And you're insecure. So someone says something to you, or someone calls you, or doesn't call you, and all of a sudden, you're at odds. I've been amazed over the years. You know, I have people, friends in my life that I haven't talked to for maybe 15, 20 years. And, I, I, and then I'll, I'll end up talking to them, and it's like no time has ever passed. I have some people, if I didn't call them in two weeks, they're mad at me. You haven't called me. I haven't heard from you. What's the difference? Right? Insecurity, fear, which goes back to condemnation. Right? We're not living for people to accept us. We're not living for the approval of man. Boy, will that set you free. 
We're not living for man's approval on our lives and what we do. So we're not insecure people. We just let it rip, right? We're living life. <laughs> Hallelujah. How about predicting things? That comes from condemnation. You begin predicting outcomes of what the things that are going on, and you start believing the worst is going to happen. Because down underneath, you know, or you think you either know you're not right with them or you think you're not right. Because this can happen to Christians too, who know that, who don't know they're they're right with God, who haven't been been built up in the true gospel. You can start blowing things out of proportion, making you know mountains out of molehills when you're when you don't know that you've been made righteous in Him, and and something that 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 others it wouldn't bother them, it'll bother you. Because you don't know you're right in Him. I'm telling you, you've got to know this. It'll, it'll, it'll bring about the shoulds. You ever have a case of the shoulds? Yeah, I should have done. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I should do this. I shouldn't be this way. I should have done that. I could. No. See, when you know you've been made right, faith in Christ will transform your life from I should who I am. He's the perfect sacrifice. He'll take you from I should to I am. So all this junk comes and goes way down to the root is condemnation. Isn't that something? And you're not going to, you know, man can't get you there. This, you got to go all the way down to the word. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 1 and 2, we're almost done. Let's read this. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Here's the answer to the root problem of your life. There is. Therefore, there is. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How is that possible? Well, verse 2 tells us. For the law of the Spirit in life, of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Well, what is the law of sin and death? If you sin, you die. We can all relate to that one because we've all been there, right? But what's the law of the Spirit of life? That you've sinned, you deserve to die, but Jesus died for you, so you deserve to live. <laughs> That's the law of the spirit of life. You deserve life because Jesus died for you. He took your death and gave you his life. That's the law that's in operate in our lives right now. Yeah. Isn't that great? So anytime Satan tries to condemn you, that's not an operation in your life anymore. See? Because if he can get you to believe that, then you'll say, well, then I deserve this. I do. No, you deserve life now. Amen. You deserve health yeah, now. Yeah. You deserve prosperity now. You deserve wholeness now. You deserve joy and peace and strength and well-being now. You deserve it because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. It's your right now. Hallelujah. We got to read it in the message. Verse 1. 
with the arrival of my hero, Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect sacrifice, that fateful dilemma that has wrecked mankind is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. Why? Because a new power is operating in our lives. It's the law of the spirit of life. God looks at you and he says, you deserve it. You deserve health. You deserve strength. You deserve peace. You deserve love. You deserve joy. You deserve more than enough. You deserve my provision for your life because I am seeing you through the sacrifice of my son. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong, unstoppable wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That's what it's like living in condemnation. Let's go on to verse 3. Can we go on to verse 3? Is that all right? Take a little bit more time here. God went for the jugular. (laughs) <laughs> when he sent his own son. I love God. He gets to the problem. He goes all the way down to the jugular of the problem. Yes. Hallelujah. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. God is concerned when you're listening to the voice of the enemy. He's concerned about your health when you're listening to condemnation. He's concerned. He wants you to have peace right now. It's important to him. Your your peace of mind is important to God. It's not irrelevant and remote and unimportant to the throne of heaven. It's the headline. It's the the top story, your well-being. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. No more band-aids. We're healed in Jesus' name. We're free in Jesus' name. We're righteous in Jesus' name. And no one can take it away. Because God has given it to us. Verse 4. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished. Hallelujah. As we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, that's what condemnation will do. Work harder. Try harder. Do this more. Try seven more of those. No. Instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. They'll tell you how bad you are, right? But never get around to exercising it in real life. In other words, they never experience the freedom that they're longing for. Those who trust, this is so good, those who trust God's action in them. 
God is actively working you, it says in Philippians. What am I thinking of? 2.15 or 3.15? He's actively working in you. Those who trust in God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. (laughs) Hallelujah. The living, breathing God is living and breathing in you. The living, breathing God is living and breathing in you. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Amen. So let's bury it. No sense, no sense something dead being above the ground, right? Let's bury it. Let's bury it. Attention to God, on the other hand, leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. This is where we're building our home, beyond doubt, into this spacious, open, free life in Christ. Hallelujah. So what has this done? This has really brought us into the realm of the soul, hasn't it? We started with the spirit. Now we're in the realm of the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And sometimes there's confusion between the two. Well, what's my spirit? What's my soul? Well, your spirit is who you are. You're made in the image of God. God's a spirit. You're a spirit. But your soul are tools that God has given you. They're not who you are. They're just tools. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And even though they're different, you can't, you can't separate. They're connected. You can't separate them. You can only discern between them. And the only way you can discern between your soul and your spirit is through the Word of God. It's the only tool that will enable you to understand them. One more scripture, then we're done. And we'll get into the soul more next week. So Hebrews 4.12 tells us exactly what the tool is we need so that we can discern between our soul and spirit. For the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and here, listen to this, and is a discerner. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. This is so important. This is why you want the Word flowing in your mind and heart. It will, dis- it will reveal to you the difference between stuff that are just thoughts and the reality of your spirit. Because your spirit's righteous in God. But even if you put your faith in Christ, you can live a miserable life as a Christian. Condemned, insecure, afraid, stressed out, weak. Because you don't know what's happened in your spirit. And the Word of God will reveal that to you. He'll enable you to separate. Oh, that's not, that's not who you are. See, there are all kinds of thoughts that pass through our minds. Some of them are good, and a lot of them aren't. So there are the ones that aren't we need to, to, to reject and smash with the Word of God. The stuff that's in line with the righteousness that He's given us, we know is from Him. Right? So this is what we're going to get into next week. God wants you to have peace of mind. It is amazing. Amazing. Uh, mental illness, depression, has never been it like it is now. God has provided peace of mind for you through simple faith in Christ. Isn't that great? 
No side effects. No bad ones, good ones like joy, right? And peace and strength and health and life and wisdom. But we're going to get into this next week. It's so good. Boy, it is so needed. A calm and undisturbed heart and mind are the life and health of the body. You know where that scripture is? You have to come next week to find it. That it's in there. Father, thank you for this time together. We love you. We worship you. Lord, let your light illuminate the rest of our week. That everyone here would realize you have made provision for their whole life. For their whole person. That everyone here this week would grow in the provision of Christ for their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good he is.